This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. And this week we have Poker Pro and consultant Alex Alfred. And Alex talks about a lot with how to make decisions as a poker pro, but then also decisions overall. As well as we talked about his early life as being a child model and actor. And throughout this episode, he did have a cold, so you may hear him sniffling. And uh, there was some background noise because at the time we were talking, he was in a poker house at the World Series of Poker in Nevada and actively being a participant. So he took some time out just to do the interview with me. So that was awesome. Uh, We did talk about his time as an instructional designer for the World Poker Tour and creating courses for other people's efforts, such as Deep Stack University. So we had a great time. Uh, You'll also hear Alex talk about a reference to an old Seinfeld bit from the TV show in the 80s called Soup Nazi, which was a a guy who was owned a deli and you had to order in a certain way. And if you didn't, he'll say his famous line, no soup for you. And uh, the Seinfeld cast called him the Soup Nazi. So just for some context for you that may not be aware of that show is uh, what he's talking about in that scenario. But Alex had a really good time with me and I with him just trying to figure out some of the decision-making that you would need to, not only on a poker table, but as a consultant. We also talked a lot about client relations and how do you not only promote yourself, but how do you do the best for your client even if you have to you know, divorce yourself from the results, but you do your best to make sure that they are taken care of and that they really know that you're there for them. So this week, I'm not going to do an outro. So it's just going to be at the end, you're going to hear our disclaimer. But if you have a moment, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, whatever service you're listening to. And if you are even better with your time and you have more time, go ahead and leave me a review. That'd be awesome. Uh, Whatever service you're listening to, just go ahead and leave a review there. And that will help the algorithm and people finding the show. So thank you so much for being part of the show. Go get them. prepping and you're in this position and you got this down and uh and this person throughout the whole day has been doing this what are you going to do next and you guys have to do all those role-playing things as you're you know thinking about that so i know there's there's value in that but now i'm thinking you guys are even breaking down pac-man and getting oh, yeah. strategy out of pac-man so yeah all these different things whether it's games people your relationships how you parent your kids how your kids parent you <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's all poker you know it really is and, and that's what gets into my teaching and stuff you know and you've been teaching for a while you've been uh you know even when you're in your uh wpt days doing the the uh the behind the scenes stuff uh how, how did you transition from uh, i believe a farm correct uh over to, <laughs> to poker how did that happen 
it really just started with uh, try to keep it somewhat succinct. Um, after college, I was just sort of waiting to see what I was doing in Hollywood. I was I was an actor as a kid that commercials and stuff paid for paid for Michigan. Uh, uh, excuse me, college at Michigan, and then uh, so I try was trying it again at waiting tables and uh, seeing some success, but couple regulars played cards on the weekend and, and then they're at the end of my shift and they're like, are you, are you, are you getting off in like 30 minutes? I'm like, yeah. I'm like come over for cards, man. You know, it's like 20 bucks. We play a bunch of wild games. I'm like, oh, I played like, you know, five card draw in junior high school, but that's like it. <laughs> and we literally played for chocolate milks in junior high. Uh, and, you, uh, you had it in you then you, you really yeah. had it in you then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I got a lot of chocolate milk, but I didn't think it was anything major. So I didn't know the math of the cards or anything. But I said, cool. And 20 bucks always turned into 100 bucks. You know, like once you start knowing the folks in the game, I started dating a girl in the game. You know, <laughs> things happen. I was a young man, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it was good times. And but it was like, yeah, like a weekly a ATM. And I, I, I like cards. So I actually transitioned into, believe it or not, I was a massage therapist for three years uh doing that on, on on the side and this that and the other and uh i got into a car accident somebody hit me and i couldn't use my car for a while and i needed it for all the massage therapy so i was doing a sketch comedy group for a cancer benefit <laughs> and one of the guys in the group worked for the world poker tour and said hey if you need a job we need somebody to like go through footage from poker tournaments and do some post-production work. And I'm like, all right, I'll come check it out. Yeah. And his job was kind of simple. It was just sort of scanning names in the crowd and uh, doing this and that. And he's showing me around. He's like, look, I'll be back in, you know, I'll be back in, in a sec. So if, if I took his job, he got a promotion. Well, the guy that shares the office with him was a guy who's now an executive producer on the World Poker Tour. But at the time, his job was to log all the cards. You watch all the hole cams and you're just in the cards all day. You're watching the pokers play, poker players playing poker. The other was just a sort of log sort of, uh, you know, timeline footage, you know, like, all right, if you want to show Andy Duke, it's at this, you know, time code, et cetera. The other one was the poker. As soon as Chris left the room, Adam's just like, hey, man, you want my job. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, listen, Chris is cool because anybody can take his job. Like, anybody can. He's like, but if you like cards, you want my job. I'm trying to do something else for a sec. I'll show you how to do this job. And he's like, and don't screw it up because if, if I come back, I'm going to want this job again. I was like, okay. So Chris comes back. Adam breaks the news. He's like, totally cool, bro. You know, not cool, but cool. It's cool. Somebody's you know, somebody took his job two days later, but that got me in. And my job was all of a sudden to watch every single hole cam from season two, beginning of season two, uh, of the world That's poker. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, a quad screen where I'm watching each camera at the table at the same time on one screen. So I'm seeing the reaction at the same time as the bet. And the third guy got the nuts. Who's trying to look cool. I'm like, I'm watching it all. And, and Adam showed me a fast way to do my job. So it afforded me a little extra time to do it my way. I could like not watch a few of the players hands so I can guess, you know, and started doing that. And yeah. You can't, you got to make sure you're not like uh, Steve Martin when he was, uh, if you saw LA stories and he was the news with the weatherman and he just basically 
pre-broadcasted the weather and says it's not going to rain in LA and then it rained <laughs> just as long as you didn't do that. <laughs> I did it. No, I, what's funny is I actually had a quality control job. I would QC episodes, which is making sure that it was absolutely perfect. I was the soup Nazi, so to, so to speak. I was the precise, uh, it's making sure that if any Steve Martins popped up in there and just said, let's yeah. just, let's just do this. I would be the guy catching him. But, uh, it made me a bit insufferable in some poker games because like things needed to be perfect. Like yeah. I was so rules oriented when I first came into this game and I was, which led into the gentlemanly, like a big part of what's kept me in this game for a while is that, I believe in the gentlemanly, if you will, etiquette element at the table or proper because gentlemanly assumes one gender, you know, just a proper way to behave and how the rules are designed for absolute perfect equity. It's the spirit of every rule in this game is trying to make it equal for everyone. Uh-huh. So how, so why shouldn't we have that culturally, right? And and have each game setting is supposed to be a comfortable space for anybody to try to match their wits. Yeah. And so it's funny, I, I think that my soup Nazi role at WPT is what kind of brought me into that fold of like, things need to be done right when you're playing cards, you know? Uh, how do you translate that? Because I know all that data and knowledge that you're collecting, that data goes into, the, again, your play. So you have to know the math yourself and be able yeah. to, you know, uh, get that portion down. And how do you transfer that knowledge into your consulting? Now that you're consulting and you're starting to, to try to teach people who love the game or at least want to play, but they're just yeah. dedicated to, to learning the math, dedicating to situations and, and all right. the other things. So how do you translate that for them? It's a really good question. Um, there's a couple layers to it. Uh, I, I, I'm picky with who I work with often even because I want to make sure that they're why they want training is in tune with if I'm going to be servicing this, it's going to be received and we can have an engagement and a dynamic in play. If there's, if one person's on one and another's on another, you know, we shouldn't be the same way that somebody that really wants it shouldn't work with a, a trainer that's their heart's not in it either, you know? Yeah. So it starts there and that, and that gets into usually the filter that I'm looking for is somebody who is looking to, or is open to changing how they think about poker. So it's getting into how you think about the game. And, and, and often, the, basically, the core line of my training is about, there's two, two, two factors of what data are you looking for and taking in and processing? And then how do you weigh those variables? What strength do you give? those pieces of, of data and then just ensuring that your process of playing uh, doesn't compromise the required thinking for optimal decisions. So some people might have a really good thought and then they impulsively act on it. Like, you know what? This guy's bluffing. You know, I call where if you just took 10 seconds and reviewed your Scantron, you might find that when you thought you filled out a C, you filled out a D and you need to yeah. fix that. So, so I get into just sort of deconstructing how how we sort of think, and then I put Humpty back together again uh, in that vein. The second factor is how is who is this person and how do they think the person that I'm dealing 
with. This could be a group of people. Sometimes it's a certain collective of people. I, I taught actually a whole bunch of poker to parenting and, and all this. It was really great. Uh, and, or it could be a bunch of salespeople, you know, this and that. So with them, I'll, I'll, I'll slightly tell the training, but let's look at a certain individual. Um, one, I want to sort of see what are they talented at? Like, what are they good at perceiving and processing? So let's make sure that they take the max on that. And then I try to see where their blind spots are, you know, and then just try to very simple, manageable ways to account for that. So maybe their math is just a little weaker. So uh, with somebody else, I might just go hardcore math with you so you can really go with, with this. I'll just make you functional and let's focus on what you can really do, you know, with that, et cetera. So it's two things. It's making sure that, you know, they're, they're a data, they come, they're coming at it as a data processor. And then two, how do you particular, how does your model and engine, you know, function with data as gas, <laughs> if yeah. you will. Um, and, and for me, yeah, just like you said, it, it was just a collection of the different experiences that I had in life growing up from, uh, I was a little actor as, as a kid. There's certainly elements of that at, at the table and doing natural acting, but, uh, but it's, it's more like taking perceptions that are outside of your own and, and allowing them to be natural for your way of thinking. And a big part of poker is, you know, sometimes you can infect the table with what you want and your dynamic, but very often, and even in that, you need to be understanding how other people perceive this game. And, and you must operate, if you're having a conversation with them, which every betting relationship is, you better understand the dynamic they're coming from. So acting worked for that studied psychology in, in school and then I played games, board games with like Jewish grandparents and aunts and uncles. It was all the all the little card games and board games and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then you, you had to listen to my grandmother's tone in her voice if you really wanted to know what she was saying. The words weren't enough. <laughs> you know, so, so all of that it, it, you know, if you can figure out how that translates into poker, great. So whoever I'm working with, if I'm working with a kindergarten teacher or I'm working with a CEO, or anybody, you know, there's something about this game that applies to how they think and operate in life. I like to kind of try to figure that out if I can, you know, Yeah. and uh, I throw that into my training, you know. It seems like you got a lot of, um, like, again, you're doing, you're doing assessments of these individuals as they're coming to you. They're saying, hey, I need to, I, I, I think I'm good enough in my game that I want to get some training or get some coaching and yeah. get to figure out first, okay, where are you in the, the yeah, right. And then also after right. that is how teachable are you? And then yeah. after how teachable are you, then, okay, now let's see, let's see if you you have endurance, if you could yeah. you know, make it past the, the tough parts and, and hang in there. And, and then yeah. And, the and, and those little lessons come along the way. It's like, I have kind of a simple structure and a lot of it is just adaptable. Like, like if you're a surfer preparing for a surfing contest, you can't prepare for the exact wave, you know? You don't know the exact way, but you know what you're bringing to the table and you know how you're going to flex when it comes. So it's similar to me going into a poker tournament or going into a day two or going into a final table. You don't know the exact cards. You know, you're bringing something to it. And just like you said, even going in with a student, uh, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out or, or rather like uh, sort of I'll go in with a certain structure of training, but the real training will determine itself as we interact and as their vibe comes out and I start to see like what kind of makes them special or what makes them, you know, uh, 
what's holding them back. And the only, and the only way that I can get there is with kind of honesty, uh, you know, and somebody being able to take honest criticism, not take it personally is a huge thing. And it's something we all have in, in, in our lives. So it begins with a little bit of conversation about how training will go. And when I did larger camps, I was always sort of the MC that would sort of prep the crowd of how this weekend's going to go. You know, yeah. I think it's important to, uh, you know, have the environment around you in general as supportive as it can possibly be. And, uh, and if I can do that as a trainer, I'm going to make the training environment as supportive as it can be. And one of those requirements is that your brain is in the right place for us to begin. And uh, for the instructional design part of your career, um, when you have to write a course or write a uh, uh, something that you're going to deliver either online or physical, uh, what's the brain set when you're when you're in instructional design mode? How, how do you think of that? That's a really good question. Well, it was funny. I helped out on uh, uh, Daniel Negreanu had a project, the Poker VT project. Uh, that was going for a little while. And the, at its very inception, he was playing poker in Asia and we needed to get some groundwork started. So I worked with this company, Lightspeed VT, based in Vegas, that was sort of uh, building the interactive training portion of Poker VT. So I stepped in for Daniel while he was gone and just sort of helped with the early build and design of this stuff. That relationship held. So years later, yeah, uh, just sort of a gap where I wanted to take on uh, a regular job on, on, the, on the side. And they were hiring for a story designer or not story designer. It's like, a, uh, what did we call it? They had some cool title. Anyway, the instructional design. It would be for, say, we were trying to take people's live training, say a sales consultant. And he would travel around and do speaking engagements and go places. How could we convert that into an online training mode? And uh, that was really cool. You know, you just sort of have to just sort of think about how content flows. It's about the the flow, the same way I I would build a curriculum for uh, for a poker camp like like WPT boot camp WSOP. Uh, uh, um, academy, you're thinking about sort of um, the the consumer path, which is like the sort of you know you, you you structure thought almost like you're telling a story. You start big and you get narrow, you know. Yeah, so funnel almost or or say, yeah. Well, believe it or not, this is Gothic literature training in high school is where I learned how to write thesis papers. Think of a thesis paper. You start big and funnel everything down and justify where everything goes. Well, it's a very similar thing when you're doing base poker training where you start with the foundations and as you get more comfortable, you get more and more sort of specific. So in these online training things, you just think about you're sitting in front of your computer. What thought leads to the next thought, which leads to the next thought? What's funny, I skipped one step. Where I really got my skills honed on this was with uh, Deep Stacks University. So WPT Deep Stacks right now, originally, uh, that was a merger of WPT and Deep Stacks U, which started to do a Deep Stacks tour. And Deep Stacks, uh, Deep Stacks University was online training featuring like... Uh, uh, a long time ago. That's yeah, that's Maria D stack. That was like what 2016, no, 2006, 2000. Oh, yeah, it was like 2008, 2009, 10, no, yeah, 2010, yeah. 11. Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, 
anyway, yeah, you know, they had some great players on there. Yeah. Maria, oh, I think Madisau for what that was worth. <laughs> anyway, uh, but what we would do is we would do interactive videos. We would set you up with a situation and do a hand replay or like an online replay of a live hand and then give you a choice. All right, here you are with seven. There's a raise in front of you and here's an ABCD. Whatever you clicked on, we would film that next response, like a choose your own adventure. And uh, all right, A, almost the here's why it's good, here's why it gets to the right answer. We move you along to the next decision in the hand. So that sequencing of just how you break down a hand decision by decision was a really great foundation. And the videos I did were really, honestly, were awesome. <laughs> uh, it's a shame we did stick with that format longer. Um, I mean, like, it, it, it was a really solid foundation. It helped kind of hone train. I was already training, but this really helped me sort of hone how to just sort of really just explain something, you know? Huh. And uh, so I brought that magic to instructional design for sales consultants and others who were just trying to turn their speech into something interactive, you know? So piece by piece, I'll take your material and just sort of put it down. What about the other side of it where, let's say, if, as a consultant, which you are, uh, how'd you get into the self-promotion and, and, and getting out from behind the scenes, working with, you know, being in the production booth and everything else, and now you're going to go out there and you're going to promote yourself and, you know, email lists and all the other stuff. How do you, how'd you navigate that part? When I first started playing poker, there wasn't uh, as much of a, a normalcy when it came to uh, selling shares and stuff. So I kind of held my own financial responsibility for my wins and losses at a time where I should have been, uh, mitigating some of the, some of, some of that risk. And, uh, so I, if I had a bad year or something like that, my way to mitigate it was doing training. And I really enjoyed training. And it was a big part of me coming up in this game. And uh, so, yeah, I was just sort of, you know, I was working from camp to camp. And then I just had a, I've lived in a lot of places and have just a, diff, a wide network, you know, of, of experiences and cities that I've lived in. And the camps introduced me to a large group of people over time. You know, I was doing a poker camp two, three times a month sometimes for a year or two. And uh, so my network was pretty extensive and the respect followed that as I had poker re results that backed up the fact, you know, that my words were worth listening to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as poker brands over time, they change, you know, one camp, some weird stuff with the happened with the owners here, you know, another camp, you know, they were mm -hmm. this and that and the other, then they ended up selling it. And so I, I always work well for a solid brand and representing that brand i came up in the world poker tour and represented their brand to the fullest with our with how we designed wpt boot camps so i it's not that i haven't in, enjoyed working for others but over time the person i could rely on was myself <laughs> and uh so you got to put yourself out there and even when i was a uh what you call it uh certified uh massage therapist um you know, I work for a certain place, but I just like to do my own thing and have and sort of have my own clients and which ironically were all of my girlfriend's friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, 
I, you know, it was, it was, it was trustworthy for everybody, you know, and I was affordable and talented. Uh, but no, I was even marketing myself, you know, is that, so it's just, it is what it is that in that, you know, I was an actor as a kid, you know, so I was just around that. My mother was a freelance makeup artist and hairstylist, and she also did her own, uh, she was a hairstylist and owned it at home and had a little studio and she eventually had her own little makeup studio and her own line of makeup. So mm-hmm. I, so I would, so I would watch my mom bring in clients and just talk to their hearts about what they wanted and what they, how they want to appear and what it means to them and, and get people to be honest about where, what they're comfortable with in even performing. You know, this is eighties, man. You had to have your makeup was a style choice, man. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like there's no soft. Like Tammy <laughs> yeah. You gotta, she made bold, strong choices. You know? And some people were making that kind of choice. Yeah. Not coming from the right place. It wasn't getting the effect they were hoping it would. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I watched my mom have all these real ass conversations with people, you know, and she was a salesperson too, but only sold them what they needed. You know, she put that down. You don't need that. So nice. a little bit of that comparison, you know, is definitely, you know, that's how mama lives on, you know, is things like that. I was also thinking about with your, uh, your promotion to for yourself and when you're ready to to really get your business going and 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 take on what are some of the the tips you may uh, may have to pass on some of these consultants that are thinking all right i'm ready to go on my own uh what what did you go through that you you might tell people to you know avoid this or or do this uh boy that's a that's a good question because i've made so many mistakes along the way and (laughs) like uh, you know, I think probably when I was, when I was well-funded, I should have invested some of my money into proper assistant work, uh, people that can help me with the aspects that I wasn't strong in, that I would just simply try to tackle myself, uh, um, and invest more time in some of the foundation stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I had the right idea on, but I didn't act on it in a timely fashion to, to take max advantage of it. I was like pre, I I was kind of hot, like pre social media, you know, it was pre Instagram and pre Twitter and then or Twitter was just starting through some of it. You know, the stuff was just kicking into gear, but the phones really weren't there yet, you know? And, uh, you know, so it was more word of mouth, you know, almost type stuff and emails, you know, and all this shit. Uh, but advice for like right now, look, I would just say, I think that it, it would be important to be honest with yourself. I would suggest and this is what worked for me is you want to sort of try to sort of build a structure of how you can do your life and your job. And it's something you enjoy. Like, like, for example, I don't have to be this picky with students. I could just do cafeteria style and just be doing mass billboarding and a lot of online promotion, get any clicks that I can get. And I could put out some basic schlock that I know can sell. I make a specific choice not to do that because I don't want that type of energy in my sphere as I'm out there collecting students or training or playing poker. 
So I throw a lot of money out by having certain standards. But for you or anybody else, uh, well, not you, but like for, for anybody considering this, you don't need to have those standards. It's about that might be exactly what excites you. And it could be really good material just because you're doing it in broad general sense doesn't mean it's bad material. You just might, it, you know, and I do broad material for camps, you know, and writing stuff, but, but just as a daily way to market myself, it's not there, but it's there for, for, for others. Uh, so I just like to recommend doing, doing what you can, or just, just being honest with what you want out of being a consultant, you know, uh, cause some of it is just something that you might care a lot about and you care about the customer base you build and the type of dynamic matters and what what you produce in this consultation the result might matter you know you got to be sure that you're in tune with it for your client and at the end of the day even though i've got my requirements i'm in it for them like i'm committing to this person having an enriched experience in, in poker from this point forward it's it's customer service at its finest your consultation you absolutely must be dedicated to their end and that is the only integrity that's getting passed on when your clients, so somebody's like, Hey, how is it working with that person? How, how were the results? Oh, they were this and that. Of course, great results are great. But the thing that will really matter to the person that they're talking to is when they said he was invested in me and, and, awesome. did, and did what he could, you know? So that matters almost the most, you know, results can determine themselves to factors outside of you. So I start with that. And then look, if you're in a position where that also, that really does matter to you, then you want to design your business in a way that, 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 that matter. You know what I mean? Like, like if you have a talent at that, then make sure you have an interactive business, (laughs) you know, that's not just putting up a website and people, now you can do stuff that people click things to save time and whatever, but you know, if you're good at, at dealing with people, make sure you design your business in, in, in a way that matches that skill set. And it's a beautiful skill set to have because because it's all people dealing with people at the end of the day. Everybody's switched up from the, the COVID world, if you would. Um, mm-hmm. How is that now affecting your business? How is that affecting uh, even poker as a general, you know, the living yeah. new, well, new reality? It's, it's nice to have it back coming back. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's another analogy to working when I was bartending. I bartended for years too. And you adapt or waiting tables, like you adapt your energy to each customer. You know, it's like, you know, the, the college kid, comes up and it's like all oh, right four coolers lights and uh four shots I'm like yeah bro like, blah, blah, blah. and the guy's on, on on his nice sweet date you know and they both come up and it's like all right here is your cosmopolitan for the lady <laughs> here you keep switching Manhattan and your sir you know whatever so you uh, you adapt and eat, even in just your memory catalog of what they're drinking let alone the energy and so every hand of poker that you're playing you've got seven clients that are different <laughs> and i will just in each, putting it adapt that energy to where it's required i appreciate you spending your time but i had one more question yeah one sure. more tell me some commercials and, and child acting you're in so i could tell somebody else that i talked to this guy please tell me you were mikey so i could say <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> 
Um, I started as a model, actually, as a kid model. If you want to have a fun time, you type in, no, I don't mean it like that. Uh, you type in the hashtag kid model battle. Kid on model Instagram. Battle. Kid model battle. And there is a nice. mutual friend of a gal, like some girl that I knew through somebody else who was a child model also. And she posted a picture. I'm like, Hey, I did that too. She's like, not like this. And I was like, Oh yeah, not like this. <laughs> and then we hashtag. she's like, are we battling? I'm like, hell yeah. So, so <laughs> we, great. so we hashtagged the kid model battle and it's still out there. So you could see that. But then, um, uh, yeah, because my mom was in that stuff and the just right place, right time. They needed a kid and I fit the bill and then I got signed with Ford. I was a Ford model. And uh, oh, that's like and, the big boys. Yeah, but I loved acting and stuff, you know, and I was I was good at it in school. So I got a, a manager for that. My first manager was Gabrielle Carteris. Gabrielle Carteris. Wasn't was the she, uh, uh, hold on, that was uh, 90210. Andrea, Andrea. Yeah. She was my dad before she got that role. Just before she got Isn't that crazy? Uh, Like, that's how old she was, by the way. She worked for... (laughs) She was in her mid-20s and, like, got that high school role. So sick. So anyway, uh, I did a couple commercials. If you go to, like, 90s Clearasil commercial, you type that into YouTube or something. It's one where there's a bunch of kids outside of a school. It's like the first Clearasil Clear Stick commercial, and and uh, and I'd say something like it gets under the skin. So that'll be me. <laughs> but yeah, man, just various little commercials and moments. I was a stand-in on the movie Big, and I had a couple of extra oh, yeah. roles on Big. So I was on set with Tom Hanks a few times there. That was kind of cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, that is cool. I did extra work and um, like a long, long time ago on like MTV. We used to film in Orlando, and uh, and I worked with a, an agency that used to call us and say, "Hey, just show up on set," and we we're supposed to be just hanging out. I was in my early twenties yeah. and all, oh, you know, just throwing around beach beach blast or something was called (laughs) yeah and then uh sequest started doing it in orlando it was 50 bucks a day and i was like i could use the money (laughs) all right i'll let you go because i know you gotta you gotta get your mind right yeah (laughs) here i'm gonna give you a a applause on my board alex thank you you're so generous with your time man i appreciate it Tell us where to find you, what to get you, how sure. someone could could uh, you could get you as a coach or at least uh, yeah to see if um, they come on. So the the fast way to find me is on Instagram is at Alex Poker Guy P O K E R G U Y, um, and um, my training site is uh, there's a, there's a hosting site called Introwise, and I'm on introwise.com uh, forward slash Alex Poker Guy uh, is how you find my thing, and it's I likely is the link on my Instagram. Um, and yeah, uh, Alex guy at gmail.com. If anybody has any questions about anything, you can always find me there. Um, and yeah, uh, what I do is a mix of the training, tra- you know, the training, this and that, uh, I have a pretty solid base of investors, but if folks are interested in a thing where you invest a few hundred bucks, you can have one or two points, depending on the size of the package that I'm playing. I'm about to play a $36,000 package. Uh, 
anybody ever wanted to mess with that, there's a real easy way to do it. And then you kind of get uh, post throughout the entire package. You get posted up. I have a special messenger group of for investors only. So you're getting videos from the table and the here's here's the new stack. Here's the aces, the all ins. I'm usually able to like whip out the phone and you get the get the video and stuff. So so it's a super fun thing for folks to sweat at home. I, I like being a horse and uh and what I'm likely going to start doing is a weekly training session, actually. So I'm going to post that on Facebook, Alex Outhred on Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if I start doing that, and that'll just be like 60 to 90 minutes once a week. I'll talk about the hands that I played that week, uh, almost like a group Zoom session. And I'll be able to take a few questions as we walk through hands and something really cheap, you know, 20 bucks or something like that. Uh, just see how many folks want to come along for the ride. Oh, so. excellent. Oh, I appreciate that so much. I'm going to pass that on. And uh, and definitely, I, I, I'm just so happy, especially seeing, you know, as I'm, I'm looking through, I, I, I check your GPI and the Hinton mob every now and then. I'm like, look at him go. And yeah. This yeah. year seems like you're really, like, like, taking off again. Well, yeah. It's once I got the health part right and all the mental stuff that goes with it, you know, it's just a different me that's playing out there. And uh, I'm slightly less impulsive with my decisions I'm considering more variables and better and uh, and I'm just a stronger reader of people and patterns just was a little rusty with some of the you know tactical stuff you know live uh, so I always have to improve but it was really nice getting results for the work that I've done and uh, so it's making me change my mind on what I want to do next I'm going to try to dive back into this poker thing right. go hardcore I can swing with the best of them. Yeah, just got to find more rich friends to help me get there, and then I'll support myself all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a lot of medium friends. <laughs> or medium. Or medium. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, Sheldon, thanks for the time you yourself. I appreciate the time you gave. All right, man. Have a wonderful time. Go get them at the table, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Right. See you guys later. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus. 